Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thirsters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I have two very good friends with me. They are two members of the Patreon group, but we are friends in real life, not just because they're in my Patreon group. I have Michelle and Nikki with me, and today we're going to talk all about reseller truths. We are going to lay it all out there the good, the bad, the ugly, all the things in between, things we've experienced over our years of reselling, and uh, talk about things that we don't necessarily talk about in this community. So we're going to dive right into it, guys. We will see you at the table. Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is the first time you've both been on. so before we get into all the truths i want the people to get to know who you are so give us a little history how you got into reselling and we will take it from there i will start with i'll start with nikki okay hello Uh, my name is shop underscore retreads on poshmark and shop retreads on instagram which I'm not very active on, but if you Who is to- active on Instagram now. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying. I, you know, I have my own uh, personal Instagram I have to deal with, and it doesn't pay me money. So I focus <laughs> on what pays me money. Yes. Um, I've been reselling since 2019 officially, but I've always been reselling my whole life, where if I was moving and I needed to sell makeup I didn't use books I've been on eBay since I think 2000 or 2001 so ever since there has been an online auction I think (laughs) um and then in 2019 I started to take things more seriously I hit about three thousand dollars on my 90 day mark for eBay. And I showed it to my friend and said, wow, okay, I've run out of things. I I don't know what else to sell because I've sold all my things. (laughs) So I actually went on YouTube and I um, found Jenna. um, Empty hanger. Yes. And I watched all her videos and I said, oh my goodness, girls are out there having online boutiques and she talked a lot about Poshmark and to be honest with you I I think I've been on Poshmark since 2014 early adopter and since I was an eBay person I did not understand Poshmark I was like who are these people and why are they asking me so many questions what's the measurement show me this (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I've always been part of the Poshmark culture so I disliked it immensely and I, I, I didn't use it. I sold a few things on there and not until when I saw Jenna's videos, that's when I took Poshmark more seriously as an actual road and an opportunity to earn money and started thrifting like most people do. Um, my model has definitely changed, especially in the last year, where I'm not really thrifting anymore. I I shifted to a more online sourcing model, um, and my model is more high high profit items, 
not a volume model. I used to be a volume model. I used to be 1200 plus and I have calmed down. (laughs) I have found an easier way of a softer way of life. (laughs) I love that. A softer way of life. That's beautiful. (laughs) Um, I also have been on Poshmark. I think I want to say since 2015, I never used it though. And I thought it was the strangest thing because we're so many like boutique items and stuff. And I was like, who are these mm-hmm. people posting these things? And like, I was totally turned off by it because I was an eBayer from 2004. Yeah, 2004, 2005. I was in the end of my high school years when I joined on to like sell random things to go to college. You know what I mean? Like you just start selling things. Um, I loved eBay. I loved Craigslist. Like those were my two go-to to sell things. Poshmark was not it at that time. <laughs> Michelle, why don't you tell the people who you are and how you get into reselling? I'm Michelle at uh, Second Glance Shop on uh, Poshmark and Mercari and yeah, wherever you can find me and on Instagram. Um, and... I have always been a bargain hunter and um, uh, went to university for fashion design and merchandising. So, and so I know that's an archaic term, but I used to sew my own clothes, my own prom dress. And um, so construction and fabric quality and content are always been big things for me. And I've always kind of like sold things, college books, uh, things around the house, Craigslist, definitely, um, buy and sell, always looking for a deal. And uh, I think I joined Poshmark in 2016, uh, looking for deals. And it wasn't until probably 2019 that I was like, I could actually make some decent money at this and um I'll never forget uh, when we talk about um uh halls I know uh there's a, that hall that you hear from uh you and in, in Jen about your big Chanel uh hall I was at Goodwill and they rolled out you know a rack and I'm like that's a leather dress and wait a minute, that's, I know that's Missoni. And I, someone who traveled, I found uh, Oscar de la Renta leather dress. I found Missoni pants and I mean, just the haul. I was ecstatic. And I was like, none of it would fit me. But, I, <laughs> and it's kind of like I viewed it as you're rescuing things. They're well-made. They don't deserve to be thrown away. So that circular system, I think I've always, that's been my mentality and um, keeping things out of the landfill. And then, um, so that's always been the way I look at reselling. Um, I was never a volume seller. I, I still am not. Um, my my uh, time is worth money. And uh, I higher selling price. And uh, low cost of goods. Um, I definitely do uh, online. Um, I would say research all the time now. 
Um, and, but I still will go to, I think a couple of honey holes that get some decent things. Very particular now about what I pick up, wh whether it's worth the time, worth the money. Um, you know, used to be the Bolo brands and not anymore. So Michelle, did you ever fall into reseller content and that's how you kind of figured out you can sell these things or was it just, I've seen other people sell things. Let me just try it. Um, I first fell into um, the online buying through and then they're like, I think Mercari at one point in time was like, oh, sell your stuff with us. And Poshmark was like, oh, it's a big old community. And um, actually the content that I found was you and Lori first. Yep. And <laughs> I know wild. And then uh, Jack and Ryan. And um, I kind of connected definitely with uh, you and Lori. I have Italian heritage strong in my blood. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's like cousins at the table. I was yes. going to say, Nikki's Italian too. We got three Italians on here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I so understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it, and I learned so much from you guys. Oh, yeah. And then I was, I was in. Oh, that's interesting that we were your first introduction. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, okay, so everyone knows my story, so I'm not going to share mine, <laughs> except I've been doing this since forever. Um, I've always resold things. If you guys, this is your first time listening, I've always sold things. Um, I started to resell in 2018, I'd say like September, October is when I started to do it. Um grabbing a few things here or there at the thrift store, but really selling my own stuff and then continuing that wheel. Uh, my model has changed quite a bit, especially in the last year. Um, I'd say it started last year, but it's changed dramatically this year. Um, so that's what this episode's about. We're gonna We're gonna just chat about just the hard truths, man, of this reselling world and how much it has really changed um, for not just us, but for everyone. And I think I'll speak for myself and then I'll open it up to you guys. But I think for me, I started to notice a shift. I'd say middle of last year, middle to end of last year, I started to notice this shift happening, but no one was really talking about it. It was more of like just me really paying attention to what was happening in my business and looking at what was selling, what wasn't selling and noticing that I mean, we all fall into this like sourcing trap where we're sourcing and sourcing, but the items weren't moving like they were before. And I was sourcing based off of how items were moving six months prior. And then I finally sat down and I was like, well, well, this is stupid. This doesn't work the way that it once did. Um, and it was a real hard reality to go through. And I have been going through a purge for the last year, I'd say. Um, I slowed down a little bit, but that was intentional on my part. Um, so I would say middle to end of last year is when I started to notice this change. Now, yes, platforms have had a lot of changes over the last year as well. We've all felt it, whether you're on eBay or Poshmark, I don't care which platform you're on, you have felt the shift and the change. Um, I think the buying capabilities have changed. I think the people, I think the selling pool has grown, grown so much. There's so many people that are involved in this. It's not just you and me, like there are big companies who you don't even know are big companies unless you go into these closets and you start to really look and you're like, oh, 
this could be Walmart and this could be Target. And you're starting to notice a lot of that. Um, so I'm curious, when did you guys start to notice the shift in your business? Was it around the same time as me or would you say it was a little bit later? Either one, doesn't get who goes first. Um, I think last year, we, we in 2022, there was definitely things going on with platforms that were behind the scenes and then later um, exposed to us that where now we knew that there were um, test groups. So that that was a change. But also in, Latin, in 2022 is when they stopped printing money. When we have inflation, we have a war. The gas prices went crazy in the summer. The retail went way down with, I mean, record numbers low, just in the stores, never mind us as reseller. Mm -hmm. So all these things, I think, was just a hurricane of force on top of it. And we were coming off of high times, <laughs> free printed money, people at home with nothing better to do. I, I will say to my friends, why are you buying this ballroom dress? Where are you going? It's 2020. Like, <laughs> and these pumps, I don't know. But we were coming off high times as resellers. And now we're into a total change where we're hearing there is a recession. There is some, or some recession is coming, right? And it's here. Yeah, I mean. I don't care what anyone says. It is here. It's just different than what we're used to. Yes. Yes. So I think when I came back into town, I went, I was traveling for August last year. So I wasn't sourcing and I came back into town and, and I realized, and I said to the group, to Patreon group, something has changed. It's September. I can't find what I used to be able to find. There's a shift even in the stores of what was sourcing and there was a huge shift in the numbers in that summer I it did go back up for me personally on fourth quarter but I heard a lot of people didn't have as great of a fourth quarter so there's a lot of things going on and it's not just our world I know that we get very focused in on your numbers aren't my numbers of this particular month or I didn't yeah. have any sales this week you know mm -hmm. but I think trying to pinpoint the problem or when it happened we need we need to focus on what's what's the solutions right mm -hmm. where's the opportunity because the opportunity has totally shifted and I think that was probably one of the biggest lessons I know us as a group kind of we all talked through it and we which I think has been probably one of the most beneficial things and not only for you guys but for me too is to hear everyone's experiences when we meet every month and when we have our quarterly calls and stuff is to hear how everyone else is kind of changing their mindset on things because it makes you really sit back I don't care how much experience you have the person who only has three weeks experience teaches me something on a daily basis, you know? So um, it's just, it's helpful to hear how people are shifting their direction and what, what got them to that point to shift. It's very easy in this world to get in this reselling space, I should say, to get comfortable. 
um, doing the same thing over and over again because we create a routine and we can follow it and we keep going. And as soon as something changes, even if it's something that we can't control, we kind of go into this like panic mode, like, what do I do now? I don't know what to do. And some people take to social media, some people take to YouTube, some people just keep it in and like they absorb all this, all these things that people are saying and they don't know how to process it. And I think this is probably one of my, and I've been very vocal on this the entire time I've had the podcast. It is one of the most frustrating things for me because there's so many things out there that the newbie just cannot process. And I know when I first started, I struggled with that. And it was hard for me to find those, like the people or the place that would help me kind of figure out, okay, this is what this person's saying. This is what this person's saying. Now, how can I kind of bring it all together? That took a lot of time and experience. I think no matter what people go through that. Um, But yeah, I, I think shifting the perspective is probably one of the most important things any of us can do, no matter where you are in your journey. Uh, Michelle, what about you? When did you start to notice a change? And I know for you personally, it was you kind of started all this with like, why aren't my items moving? Is mm-hmm. it me? Like that, I mean, mm-hmm. Michelle reached out to me and she was like, but is it me? Am I the problem? Right, right. Definitely. And, and while I had a good fourth quarter of last year, I mean, my 2022 was my highest grossing year ever. And it was great. Um, but then at the when platforms started introducing new ways of selling, um, and as Nikki alluded to, things happening behind the scenes that we couldn't see, um, it became evident to me that there was a change with the traffic through my closet. And it made me question, okay, what it may, it forced me to look at, okay, what are you doing? And I'll be honest with you, I really had fallen in, you know, you talk about well, the things that people don't don't talk about in in our space. Um, I think for a while I had fallen into that trap of bolo brands and um oh, be on the lookout for this. Let's and that wasn't my my initial business model. It wasn't why I started reselling. I really started reselling because there were pieces that I felt were a good value, were made well, would last long, and deserved to be in a circular fashion space. Right. And those it seemed like when I strayed from that, then things that I had acquired weren't moving. So um, I think that that really started coming to a head, you know, the first quarter of this year, I, I really do think. Yeah, first quarter this year. I have so many thoughts on first quarter this year. And then I want to get to Bolo Brands. I think that's like the, my number one, number one pet peeve in this community today. but. Um, I would say first quarter this year, I, I know a lot of people gave up. I know a lot of people stopped. Um, I definitely fell into the camp of like, I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to watch and see what happens. I'm just going to watch and see like, so 
rewind a little bit. At the beginning of the year, we had a um, beginning of the year call, right? For our quarterly calls, where we kind of talked about where we want to be this year. And one of the things that I said was, I don't want to grow. I want to stay exactly where I am. And that's it. Like, I don't want to do anything different. I just want to stay. Um, and I was okay if it was stagnant. I just, I just wanted to continue the path that I was on. What I quickly realized in quarter one, that that, that was even going to be hard because nothing was working anymore. Nothing that I was doing. Everything that I had known for the last five plus years went down the drain. and. I didn't publicly go on social media and say anything. I didn't post anything. I didn't do, you know, videos on it. But it was the most mentally draining, like reselling segment of my life because I really contemplated like, I think I should just stop this and like, just go get a part-time job somewhere working remotely and like call it a day and and make the same or maybe more. Um it, it as someone who works full time, and Nikki, you can speak to this as well. But like, it is exhausting when your reselling business is not running like an oil well machine. There's so much more research to do. There's so much digging you have to do. There's this whole like part of okay, I used to source this way. I used to get these things. None of that's working. Now I got to research all these other things. I got to learn all these new things that are happening out there. Like it, it was so difficult. And I would say second quarter was even worse and it started to come up a little bit at towards the end and now third quarter I feel like I kind of understand what's happening this year um but there's just a lot of unknowns and I and I don't I don't know if that will change over the next year I honestly don't know I think we're going to be in this space for a little bit of time and that's that's okay because like you said Nikki we were in a high for so long it those sales that we saw in 2020, 2021, I mean, they were insane. They were just not the norm. Even 2022, I'd say like the beginning part of 2022, there was still some of that happening. So yeah, first quarter this year, I have so many emotions around it. <laughs> I really do. That was what was so great about having the Patreon group because we had those quarterly reviews and everyone shared and we knew that we were not the only ones going through it. Something had changed. We weren't alone. And and from that, we were able to decide what we were going to do personally in our own business. But I mean, I felt seen. I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> well, I mean, so Nikki, if you feel comfortable sharing this, last year you were thinking about going full time. Right, right. Yeah. And that changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, I have a dream of financial independence, being my own boss. But yes, I do work for um, corporate drone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, a corporate drone. Humanoid. <laughs> very good at my job. I'm very good at my job. I enjoy it in, in a sense where I do get to help people. We're global and I do have people on my team that I get to help around the world. I, I like that. But in, ultimately, yes, I want to be my own boss. I want to control my own time. I want to control my own location. Yeah. Uh, all those things. So yes, I was considering it and I had a pretty good 2022 despite all of the changes but I was in a volume model and I was doing like 
I was doing 60 items a week with a full-time job and it's a lot. And, um, I did shift and go, go down to 30 by the end of 2022, but I was still in that mode. And I remember telling you guys, oh, in order for me to increase my profit, I need to do more items. And I yep. thought that was the way that was, I, I was focused on higher profit and I am, I am a student of Miss Issa Diaz. <laughs> I am focusing on making sure my average profit is in a position where I'm not eating up all my time, mm -hmm. but I had to make a drastic change after I, I had a really good Q1 of 2022. So comparing the numbers in Q1 2023 was difficult. I was way, way behind and all the things like you said that were working in the model were not selling anymore. And, um, you know, I made a big shift and I made a big shift because I have a coach and she called me out, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and she's uh, not afraid to do so. Oh, and I love that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm also someone, I have a high bullshit, excuse my language, <laughs> bull, I have a high bull crap detector. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I um, like people that speak the truth and do it in a nice and caring way. Like, I know that, I know speaking with Issa that she cares honestly about mm -hmm. and the people that she works with. So, I, I mean, <laughs> basically, we had like a, a discussion, and I changed my model. I flipped my business on its head. I stopped going out and looking for things that, um, and then finding things I thought were valuable and looking up comps and then sourcing based off of that. And I started looking at the souls and finding what was selling and and getting that stuff that had to be the way because everything you thought was selling before isn't selling now so your comps are not working um especially on Poshmark because you can't tell when they, they sold um and you also don't know if it's sold on a live sale or not exactly which or is a, a bundle and that right. it shows full price or all those things anyway yeah so I I mean I flipped my business on its head I and and that really helped me get through the second quarter I had a really good um second quarter this summer was how it's supposed to be slow that, those are the slow months I'm I'm but this model is is working for me I mean last year I think it <laughs> Nikki's Ready? a numbers person, so please hold. Your she's mind. looking at her numbers. <laughs> she knows me so well, Danielle. <laughs> All right, listen to me. You're right. In July of 2022, I listed 195 items. Okay. I sold 4757 dollars. Okay. In 2022, I listed 70 
seventy compared to one ninety five. Mm-hmm. I sold six thousand three hundred and seventy seven dollars. That's more than two thousand. That that's around, yeah, almost two thousand. I'll say it's almost two thousand. Yeah. Yep. One ninety five versus seventy. So well, I, yeah, that goes to speak where you're talking about, and I think Daniela you and I have kind of been the same mindset is your time is worth more money. Mm-hmm. And by Nikki doing that research and seeing what's selling, even if you maybe your cost of goods is a little higher, but the amount you're going to get is higher. You don't need to have that high volume necessarily to make the money if you're buying what you're selling what people are buying. And I think this is something that's a hard truth that people don't necessarily want to hear is that the consumer has changed and the people who once bought the items that that we sold at a volume pace are no longer buying from us. They're finding other ways to acquire those items, whether it's heavily discounted sales that are happening in the stores. Because let me tell you, some of the sales in the stores have been really, really good because I've even stocked up on some things. They're savvier. They're going on thread up. They're going to the thrift stores. They're going to rummage sales. They're going to yard sales. They're going to all these things. They have learned over the last three years how to do this because reselling became mainstream (laughs) during the pandemic. Everyone was jumping on it. There was shows on it. Like it was in everyone's face. It was on TikTok. It was everywhere. So that consumer that really needs to watch what they're spending has found ways to get those items. And maybe it's through live sales. However, they're getting it. They're getting that item that we once could sell for $45, $50, right? That buyer, it's still there, but it's much smaller. That pool has really shrunk. And the consumer that is really out there right now is the one that has a disposable income. It's the one that can afford to get that brand that the average person isn't looking at. And I hate, I hate to say that because I reselling is for everyone. However, if your goal is to make a certain amount or you have to make a certain amount and volume is not your game because volume is hard. <laughs> it is really, really hard. Um, unless this is your full-time gig, you got a warehouse, you got employees, like you have to do volume. You really don't have a choice at, at that point. But if you're like the three of us, you got to focus on those items that are selling at that higher price point, the brands that those people want. You're doing the research on the selling platforms. You're going to the websites. You're looking to see what's trending, what's happening, what are the bloggers wearing, what are these pieces that people are willing to pay 75, 80, 90, 100 plus dollars because that's the market now. They don't want to pay the full retail price and they're okay to come to you to get it because the retail price has gone up that 20, 30, 40%. So what does that mean for like sourcing and all that? It means you have to get creative and do it differently. Going to the thrift store isn't going to cut it. I go to a thrift store maybe three times a month, four times at most. I go to a consignment store once a month, 
everything else is online. And it's when I feel like it because I know the stuff that I'm getting, the stuff that I'm bringing in is going to sell. And I don't have to, I don't have to sell as much of it. I can sell five pieces in a week and I'm okay. I don't need to worry about anything else because the price point that's coming in makes sense. And that is a hard lesson. And it is very difficult because I look back at inventory that I still have that I'm going through and that I'm, you know, selling off to other people who still sell this stuff or uh, sending it to buy, sell, trade, thread up, whatever it is. And I get kind of sad because that was the stuff that used to work that I could count on to kind of be those filler items and bring that extra $100, $200 in a week if I sold a few of them. Um, now I can't give it away. I could market it $10 of free shipping and I can't give it away. So yeah, that's my thought on the sourcing. <laughs> well, and one thing I think that was really well received in one of our Patreon meetings um, I mean, and I, I still think um, members talk about is when Nikki brought up specifically how she did her research. Okay, guys, this is what I'm doing. I am going online and this is what I am searching. And this is how I figure out what I am going to buy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, 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 I still um, in the discord people are also always saying, oh yeah, that was really helpful. Because I, I, I do think that sourcing in person, um, and um, Daniela, I think you brought this up one or two um, uh, sessions ago, was what is, because A, the number of people we're selling, right? And B, fast fashion, I mean, what is even in these stores right to buy is not worth what they're charging is a nice way to put it uh and so i think that then forces a reseller to look elsewhere and you also say you know the brick and mortar stores i mean how many have closed right and then how many are online and then how many are just deeply discounting their inventory because they can't move it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that speaks volumes and the cost of goods in everything is up. So those people who, I, I agree with what you say, those, those people who had a little bit of discretionary income, they don't have it anymore. Right. Right. And you bring up the whole like going to a thrift store and how frustrating it is today. Now, I think this is across the board because I've gone to different states and I have sourced to different states. And every time I go into a thrift store now, it's like Fashion Nova, Sheen, Forever 21, H&M. It is every other piece. You find maybe one or two, if you're lucky, <laughs> good pieces in a section. Um, and it's, I've, I just stop once I like, once I go and I'm looking and I'm like, this is a waste of my time. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not doing it. Um, some people don't have the luxury of doing that. I do. And I recognize that I would rather source online on my couch, um, 
or go to a consignment store that I know is going to have pieces that I'm looking for and I'm going to pay maybe that $15, $20 more, but I'm okay with it because the piece is going to get me what I need, then do that. I would rather go to a buy, sell, trade store. I would rather do consignment, to be quite honest, with a client that I know would have the pieces that I need than search through a thrift store that is just filled with all these pieces that do not suit my business model, which is why Nikki doesn't go to the thrift store anymore. Oh, that, and I live in Boston. and Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and and people like, so it's funny, Nikki, people always like, well, you, I mean, Boston's so close. You used to find such good stuff in Boston. Man, it's not like that anymore. <laughs> it is not like that anymore. What you saw back in 2021 and 2022 is not what I can find in Boston today. So you cannot say we have the advantage because we live <laughs> near a uh, you know a city where people make a lot of money. Yeah, I I have the advantage because I do the research. It has yeah. nothing to do with my location. I'm not even in my state right now. I'm traveling, and I'm still sourcing. It gives you the advantage because you're 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 free. You're free of your low area. You cannot say. I live, you know, in a small area and they only have this much. Well, I live in a gigantic city and I'm not going there either. It's It has gotten progressively harder. I have found that there's no more real thrill of the hunt because it's so hard to find a, a prize. Yes. I, I don't go there for my endorphins anymore. Like, I'm oh my God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad someone else is saying it because when everyone says, oh my God, I have so much fun when I go sourcing. It's my therapy. It makes me feel so good. I'm like, oh my God, when I go sourcing, I'm so stressed and I can't wait to get out of there. It is not fun for me anymore. Goodbye. Get me out. Well, this kind of goes back to the whole point. It's not worth your time that you're investing. Right? Your Nikki's point is accurate. She is better off from wherever she is getting a product that will sell, will get her a return on her investment, then going somewhere and spending an hour here, the drive time. I mean, she she loses money doing it that way. Especially in Boston, because you're not going to always find parking. You're not. It's not always going to happen. Now you're, gonna, now you're hungry and you got to go eat somewhere when you're in Boston. You can't just... You're starting to go to the bathroom and they won't... Oh, yeah, eat. the bathroom too. That's not the problem. <laughs> These stores don't have bathrooms and it's a problem. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to be fair to those who are listening who do the volume model or that do vintage or home goods, right? All these other categories that exist. I think these same principles can apply no matter what category that you sell in, no matter what era, time period. So we sell more modern items, but... I think you just have to get so good at what it is that you enjoy doing. You have to really dive into it and see what's happening around you and others that sell that category. And I do think there's different ways of sourcing. So if you're, we'll say a vintage seller or home goods and going to estate sales is your thing, you got to find the right one. You got to do your research. You got to see what it is that they have. You have to look at those online auctions. Like you have to become an expert at this stuff so that you're getting exactly what you need. So you're not just walking into these estate sales and then just buying things just to buy them. Like there's a purpose, you know, what's going to be there. You have an idea what's going to be there and you're actually getting items that are going to be worth your time. And you're not just kind of walking out with either nothing or like, I got some stuff, but like, 
it's not really what I was looking for. Um, yeah, I just, I think, I mean, I, I can't speak to like car parts or <laughs> collecting cards or anything like that. That's like a totally different world to me. I know nothing about it. Um, but what what would you guys say is something that you could offer to someone who sells in a different category outside of what we do, which is more modern clothing? Well, I, I think we have a number of Patreon members who um, have really good success selling home goods and vintage items. And I think if you asked them, what we hear them say is they know what sells. They, they are using their past experience and they focus on those items. So again, it's getting to, I think, back to what we all have been saying is researching what it is, what people are looking for, and picking those things up. So, you know, being smart about what you acquire. Yeah. Any thoughts, Nikki? Yeah, also, I think that if you're an expert in something, you know, dig into that. Become even more of an expert. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm authenticating luxury. I didn't do that before, but I've dug in and I got good at it. So I'm, I'm doing it more and more. And I think like, if you're good at selling home goods and you know, this particular type of glassware and that's your edge, that's your advantage, you know, I think just honing into what you're good at. I, I avoid things that are outside of my expertise because they just sit in my house. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't, it's true. I don't know how I, I bought some glassware. I was inspired by Jess and our group and it just sat in my house and I ended up donating it because I don't know how to photograph glassware. I know nothing about it and I, and I don't care to dig into it. So I think if you, you're your car parts expert, you know, learn more about car parts, learn more, get more into it, become an expert in a certain. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of like work to your strength, right? Mm -hmm. And stop trying that, to do what everyone else is doing. Yes, the the bolo brands, right? That Let's get into it. Thing. Let's get into the bolos. <laughs> okay, we all loved bolos. We can all admit it. We all loved them, all three of us. That's how we got started. That's how we learned the brands. Bolos don't work anymore, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry to tell you that. Do I think they still have a time and place in reselling? Yeah. I think when you first start out, you you need to have knowledge of what type of brands are out there, but you cannot use it in the same way that we used it when we first started because it, in case you can't tell from this conversation, it just doesn't work that way anymore. Those things that, so I could tell you, let me think of a brand, um, Wild Fox, right? It was hot. To, right? Okay, you're laughing, but it was hot. 2018, 2019, the graphic, even 2020, like it was hot. Go, 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 go find a wild fox now and try to sell it. Tell, tell me what happens. It doesn't sell. It sits there. The consignment stores and buy sells tray stores don't even want it anymore. And it's at Burlington Coat Factory and TJ Maxx for $15.99 and under. Okay. So it's hard to go buy a list because it could be true that there's one wild fox sweatshirt that sells for really good money because Hailey Bieber wore it twice 
and it got photographed and now every person wants it because she wore it three weeks ago and it was on TikTok. But that's an anomaly. That's not the norm. I can tell you, and this is true to this day, Madewell is one of my top selling brands, but it's Madewell shoes, Madewell handbags, and one specific pair of jeans. And that's it. Nothing else of Madewell sells. But I can put it on my bolo list because for me, those three categories of Madewell are a quote unquote bolo. So what I learned, and I'm curious to see how you guys evolved your bolo brands. But for me, that list quickly became categories within this brand that work for me and then narrowed down even more to actually nothing from this brand works anymore. I don't even, if I see it, yeah, it's exciting. But like I move past, I can't tell you how many times I move past Tory Burch. I move past even Masoni sometimes. There are some brand Vince. I mean, these were like tried and true Bolo brands, Rag and Bone, even Mother Jeans. I'm sorry. They don't move like they did. So it's, for me, it's more of like, what are the categories that work within certain brands? Are those categories still working? Or do I need to get even more specific? And is it that one or two certain styles within that category? So my Bolo brands are more the style names of a, piece, of a certain piece. Um, it's more leading into the brands that have more that minimalistic, neutral, quiet luxury kind of look. Anything that's kind of encompassing that, it's looking at certain websites and understanding what, what not only just what's in, what's new, but what are people actually searching for? Like certain websites have, um, what's it called? I can't think of it, but it's like a category where people are like searching or buying that specific thing. There's a name for it. I can't think of it. I don't know. There's a name for it. Um, but it's like what people are buying right now, basically. And that gives you a real good indication as to what people are looking for. Or you can go on a luxury website like Fashion File or The Real Real, and everything they're highlighting on their front pages is what people want. And you don't necessarily have to, if you're not into modern day or luxury, you can take that knowledge and buy it in your vintage category. You don't have to buy the modern stuff. Um, so that's how my Bolo brands has changed. And I think as a community, we need to do better about sharing things like this because those who are new, they look up to us who have been doing it for a long time. And when we post things, they think that that's what they should be looking for. And I think as a community, we need to do better and help the newbies understand that it's more than that. It's not just that brand isn't going to work anymore. You can't just pick anything up and sell it anymore. And um, yeah, that's my that's my, my next hard truth. I mean, I think when you're new, you're looking for so much direction, right? You and are. Love those just like haul videos and what yep. sold videos. It and and there becomes a point where if you start getting involved and looking at everyone's content, you become a consumer of the content. And becoming a consumer of content can be very dangerous because, you know, 
it's except if it's thrifters villa then you should consume all of it i love thrifters villa <laughs> i'm only coming on here because you're my favorite okay so <laughs> just to put that on the open i'm just saying in general becoming a consumer of social content never mind the reseller world is a dangerous place to put yourself in because you're now looking for others to tell you what to do and you need to hone in on your own knowledge and understanding and even if you're new you're learning you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna you have to try you have to put the risk out there and I yeah. think you, you don't want to risk it so you're looking for other people to tell you what to do and bolo brands are an easy way so people are looking for it and you know I think that it's important for you to find your own path I honestly do not consume that much content purposefully because I want to be in my own path have my own strategy and not steer away from that strategy because you remember when someone tells you this brand and for some reason you're at the thrift store and you think I oh, oh what is this I need to pick it up and this is the thing that ends up sitting in your closet for two years sometimes it doesn't sometimes it works out but a lot of times you know it 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 doesn't work out so I would encourage anyone that's new to take the risk of learn of of making the mistake. You just yes. have to do it. If you're shopping at the thrift, the risk isn't really that high. If you're, I mean, I'm making risks that are like two hundred dollar plus. So if I <laughs> mistake, it's kind of a big mistake, but I make them. It's okay, you know. Uh, so I think take your risk do your research. And if you feel like your gut is saying, this is a category that's selling right now. What, what is a category that's selling? This is a style that's selling right now. It has to be multi-layer. Oh, and when I was new, I didn't care about sizes either. Um, so many extra smalls in my closet. <laughs> it all matters. Fact, factor stacking matters. Size, style, brand, all those things. And you'll get better at it the more that you do it. And mm -hmm. you become very focused on your stuff and less around the noise around you. Your path becomes very clear in your mind. Just, but you have to wait for it and you have to take the risk of quieting the noise to make it happen. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of noise in our community. I love everyone, but there's a lot of noise. <laughs> I, I like yes. to say it's anonymous, but apparently yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you decided to come on and share your opinion, so. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, and I, I think what both of you say is 100% true. Um, if you're new to reselling, I think you need to think about why you want to resell and stay true to that I think um my experience has been anytime I've strayed from why I started and what I'm drawn to reselling I always seem to stumble and fall um but like Nikki said that's okay so you learn and you don't make that mistake again I think taking the risk is worth it. Um, one thing that uh, I started saying to myself when I was going to make, make a purchase to resell, 
is this a good investment? I know that my buy-in cost is low, but is this a good investment? Because that's really what you're doing. You're investing your money to get a higher return. And maybe you go, okay, no, the style isn't quite right, or this isn't the category for this brand, right? You would be better off saving your money, keep looking for that category within that brand, paying up a little to get a higher return. Yeah. And I think this is probably one of the biggest internal battles that a reseller will have in their journey is at what point is it okay to pay up? At what point is it safe to pay up $5, $10, $15, $20 until you start going up and up? You just got to do it. (laughs) Like that's really the only way to jump into it is you you just got to do it. And you have to look at it as a business investment and it's either a learning experience or it's going to work out real well for you. It's one or the other. Don't look at it as a fail. Um, I think there's a lot of times that you can see that in the community where they're like, well, I bought this and it epically failed and it was a disaster and I wasted all this money. Well, no, you learned from it. At the end of the day, it's a business write-off. Learn about taxes. It's a business write-off. Um, that's a whole other conversation, which is coming your way in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk all about that kind of stuff, not like tax specific stuff, but anyway, uh, the financials of it all. And look at it as growth. This is you growing as a reseller. We all make mistakes. I have made plenty, plenty of mistakes. These girls have made mistakes. Other people in our community have made mistakes. Some are vocal about it. Some aren't. But those mistakes help us to take us to that next level and really figure out what path of reselling we want to be on. Some people realize, you know what? I don't want to be on this side of reselling. I'd rather just be on the buying side and then sell those things off to people. I'd rather buy for people. Some people realize I actually want nothing to do with this. And I'd rather like maybe help someone out when they need help with photographing and stuff and just eliminate myself completely from the business aspect of it. And some others have completely turned it around and said, you know what, the thrifting and stuff is fun, but I actually really enjoy consignment and I'm going to open up my own consignment store. I'm just going to solely do consignment because I don't have to get product. People come to me and I'm just figuring out the financials from there. I'm just splitting the profits the way they need to be split. I'm doing quality control. And that's really it. And that's some people's models. And they've been on this podcast before. There's so many ways to do it. But making these mistakes help you learn what path it is that you're going to take. I can tell you right now that next year, my reselling business is going to look different again. It just is. I'm in a different phase of life. There are certain, I still have monetary goals that I need to make to do renovations in this house. Whatever it is, right? But I'm going to keep evolving and changing the way that I sell so that I can hit those goals even faster because I've gotten so good at sourcing and so good at what people want. I'm putting, I don't want to say minimal effort because there's a lot of effort involved in it, but not as much time. I can now spend more time, I don't know, going to a Pilates class, sitting on the couch and just not doing anything. Like the simple things, right? Like the things that, you kind of let go of when you first start reselling because you get so hooked and it's such a thrill and you literally let everything 
go to shit. You just do. You stop working out. You stop caring so much about other things, other hobbies that you had, you stop doing. Um, if you used to read books, you don't read them as frequently anymore. That's for sure. You're constantly at a thrift store or a consignment store or the bins. You're, you're processing, you're photographing, you're listing, you're, you're shipping. It all starts to become so consuming. Um, I give credit to those who have never fallen into that trap because I did. I 100% did. I know these girls did too. It's a, it's a hard, it's a hard truth, (laughs) but you got to figure out a way to get to what it is that you really enjoy and really want to do in life. And reselling could be it, whether it's full-time or part-time, but balance is so important. I think sometimes people use this as a way to fill the empty space. Yes. Yes. Even if it wasn't that before, you become all consumed by it because you think you've figured out the world now. You're like, yep. oh God, this is amazing. Yes, I have so much return on my investment. It's so much better than putting my money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Right. So you think if if I just keep doing all of this more and more and more, I can um build this gigantic, successful, whatever it is that you think that you want to do with it, right? And right. I think you know, it's very important to take space and time for yourself, for your families. You know, uh, automation has helped us quite a bit in the last few years. I, I know that like, it's difficult when you have to share your closet so many times a day or send out offers or look at the phone to be present in your yep. life. But it's important to know that these apps are vying for your in- uh, attention. Mm-hmm. Attention is now a commodity in the in our world, right? And know that. Don't let it take over your life. Don't let the little sale to ching make your endorphins go high. And that's where you get your endorphins from. Get your endorphins from spending time with your family, exercising, doing things that you love make space and time for that. And I think that's just so important. Don't let it consume your life. Mm-hmm. I I fell in that trap. I did. And, and then I, bur- I burn out, I burn out. I didn't want to go to the thrift, but I had to go because it was part of my model. And I dreaded it. I didn't want to do it. I had outsourced some things by that time. So I had some freedoms compared to maybe someone who didn't have help. But I mean, it took a toll on my health and I realized that I I really don't need this to take a toll on my health, my mental health. I can do this in a way where I'm successful and I'm not letting the apps consume my life because Poshmark wants to be a social media app, then you are vying for people's time and attention and you have to be careful of how much you are the consumer of that Spend time on things that make you happy. It's really hard if you're not used to doing it. It's really hard when you get that space, you want to fill it with more things to do with with your Mm. business. Or you're like, I need to start this, I don't know. YouTube channel. (laughs) 
channel. <laughs> you have an Instagram. No, I don't. Instagram does not pay me. <laughs> and you get off of the scrolling. <laughs> uh-huh. And and YouTube takes a long time to earn a good income on. <laughs> yeah. But you're, you're right. Well, I think it gets back to a little bit of what we talked about earlier about energy and where to spend your time and your energy. And really, it's so important to have that balance. And we all struggle. We're, we're, we're you know, it, it's few and far between who's going to uh, always have that balance. But definitely be choosy on what you're giving your energy to and and you know reselling is a way if reselling is a way to give you independence or get out from under or make ends meet be smart about it I think that's that is the one thing that this last year has taught me is take calculated risks, do your research, define what you are doing this for, and keep that in mind when you're investing your money. Um, and hopefully you have more returns. I think the other thing, though, at least for me, that I've had to sit back and be patient because the items that I do have might not flip within a week, might not flip within two weeks, but say three weeks, four weeks, I'm okay waiting because my cost of goods was what it was and my profit is what it was it's okay. I still hit that number that I needed to hit. It's just getting the traffic there and being informed, I think, on the changes the platforms are doing. So let's, that's a good segue um, on how, what platforms are doing. Uh, so I, I have not said this publicly. I don't say anything publicly anymore, but um, I closed my eBay account uh, I closed my store. I just took everything off my store. It's still, I still have a store, but I just took everything down because the last two months I have made $0 on eBay and I have done the same things. Why am I going to waste my time cross-listing on there right now? I need to figure out what I'm going to do with eBay. And right now it's shut it off and regroup and think about it. Um, I know other people have really struggled on eBay as well over the last few months. I mean, I'm talking full-time sellers that were making great money on there, over six figures on there a year and um, struggling to make $25 a day, $30 a day. There's a lot of accounts getting shut down right now on eBay for whatever reason. It seems like they're going through this phase of shutting down people based off of whatever. Um, I think there's new parameters these platforms are putting in place. I think there's a lot of uh, them trying to figure out how to keep up with Google, try to keep themselves relevant and be on Google. Google changes daily. 
Um, I think there's a lot of competition with social media platforms kind of incorporating selling now. I, I just think platforms in general, I don't care which one it is, are trying to figure out where they kind of fit and how they can keep that buyer market there and the sellers. Um, I think with Poshmark, there's been a lot of changes. Um, I think it's going to get really tough for a lot of people on Poshmark to stay on there because of the way they've shifted their model. I I'm not going to say it's good or bad. I think it all depends on if it fits within your means and what your business is. Um, I think a lot of us within the Patreon group um, have just made the decision that we're going to adapt and we're going to just, we're going to do it. We're going to try it. We're going to see where it takes us. We're going to grow with it and then kind of take it from there. I know other people feel the same way. It's like, right, I'm paying this money for promoted closet. We don't really know what's working, what's not working, but we're all, we're just going to stick it with it together and kind of figure it out. And then you have some other people that are like, I'm out. I can't do this. It doesn't fit my business model. It is sucking up money. I can't do it. Then you have this group of people that don't even list anymore and they're just selling on lives and they're killing it. They are killing it. They're making money that I could never dream of. But the models are so different now. And I think the platforms don't know where to focus their energy on because there's so many things. There's so many ways that you can do this. And I don't know what the future of platforms is going to look like. I don't know how AI is going to play into it. There's so many, so many factors when it comes to technology. But I think this is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg, what we're seeing right now. And I think the next five years, selling is going to look so different. I think traditional selling will always exist. I think the sense of like searching for something and buying it when you see it will always exist. But I think there's going to be other components on the back end that are going to make it difficult for sellers who don't have the capital to make it work. I think it's becoming very capital focused. Like you have to have, you need to play the game. You got to invest in it and you may not see the rewards right away, but if you keep up with it and you keep doing the things that it wants you to do, you'll start to see it. And I think that's true. That's been true for myself with Poshmark and Promoted Closet. Um, I wasn't happy with it at first. I wasn't thrilled with the idea of having to pay, but I jumped in, did the free trial. It's worked out for me. It's definitely slowed a little bit, but I just think that's across the board. It's slowed for a lot of people. Um, it's still working, I say in air quotes. Um, sales are still coming in. The money is still being made, but it's also the product that I'm bringing in. So I think it's a mix of different things. Um, I just, I, I think we need to kind of forget about what platforms were like, even last year, and just try to keep up with what they're doing. And don't be so resistant to it. You don't have to live sell, but don't be resistant to the idea because you never know what can happen. And you may have to do a live sale because you have to liquidate a bunch of stuff to, I don't know, pay for groceries. Because let's be real, we went grocery shopping tonight. And for two of us, we spent an obscene amount of money. We went to Aldi's. Obscene. Like I can't even, I, I looked at what we bought and I was like, but what did I really buy? I don't understand what I bought and why it costs this much money. So I never say never with any of these platforms. I'm all for pay for play. But yeah. I mean, for me, 
for promoted classes. The math isn't mathing. Like, no, I, I don't understand why you and I are having such different experiences with it. You know, maybe because, you know, I have a lower um, amount of items because my, maybe I've gone for that higher volume model. But we I'm, need data. <laughs> exactly. Give me Why the data. <laughs> more than seven days of my what has sold to go back. And oh, I was drives me crazy. Yeah. But, but here, so here's a prime example. They're testing all these things. You're trying to like push this thing out to people. You want them to trust it, but you're not giving me all the data. It's not complete. You're only showing the promoted side of it, but I want to see the traffic flow. I want to see what people are going to. And I want to understand why some sales are promoted sales and why I'm getting certain sales that are regular sales, but they could have very well came from something that they clicked on that was promoted, but I don't know that. Exactly. So how do I know if it works? We don't have the data to be making business decisions on Correct. how much to spend. I do not know what the traffic is on each individual item like I do on eBay. There's right. a lot missing. It just seems like you just want my money. Give me my data if you want my money. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I'm sure people could say the same thing for eBay. Like, I'm sure there's things that people want, like the hardcore eBayers. And they're like, you know, why am I doing dynamic ads, regular ads, sales, you know, markdowns. Now they have pay-per-click as well. What am I doing? You know what I mean? It's it's a lot of money. No matter which way you look at it, each platform is requiring us to now give them anywhere from 30 to 40%. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and I think also, though, I think resellers in the past, we really haven't had to have outside of our initial cost of goods and the small or large percentage that the platform would take, not that many business expenses. Because let's let's be honest, this promoted closet is a business expense. It's advertising it money is really what it is. You're paying money to push yourself in front of somebody else. That is not a new concept to any business, right? Uh, so I think resellers, maybe as that, we need to have a little change of our focus. However, we also need to be provided data so we can put our money where it will get us the most return. And again, that is not new. That's been going on a lot, always in any industry. So I feel like in some aspects, Poshmark still says, for example, for Poshmark, they say they're still a social selling platform. If you're going to be doing promoted closets, no, not really, because instead of sharing being the social, right, in essence, aren't they really saying, pay us to share your closet? So, right. just thoughts that I've been having lately. Valid thoughts. <laughs> Very valid thoughts. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to share that are some truths that we haven't covered that you think people should think about 
whether they're new or they've been doing this for a long time? Um, one of the things that really is in my mind a lot lately is um, the fashion industry in general, the big push for it being um, more circular and brands wanting to control even their sold items and um, the environmental factors. I think that in the future will also have an impact on reselling. That's a good point. What about you, Nikki? I think that this is an unpopular opinion, maybe. That's okay. We like unpopular opinions here. That's what we always talk about. Um, reselling might not be for everyone. You have to have a thick skin. There's ups and downs in being an entrepreneur. If you want a business, you know, treat it like a business. And that means having a thick skin. If you want a hobby, then make it a hobby. Decide what you want. But if you want to be in the game, you got to build a thick skin. It's real. It's tough out there and it's getting tougher. But that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities. And I love looking for the outlier. Like, what is the one thing that is selling? If nothing is selling, I'm finding the one thing that's selling. Mm-hmm. And I think that always look for your opportunities. There's always a positive frame, even with chaos going on around you. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's important. I'm going to one-up you on that. And I'm going to say that a lot of people in our community, not everyone, but there is a good group of people in our community who really enjoy shopping. And this is a way for them to satisfy that need to shop. Not saying that they're addicted to shopping, but the thrill of shopping, that thrill of purchasing, this is a real thing. This is not like a made up thing. It's a real psychological thing. The thrill that you get when you make that purchase happens with people that buy on Amazon all the time. Feels great until it starts to like settle in and you're in this reality of I have all these things and I don't know what to do with them. I think everyone has to do this at some point in their journey is really step back and look and be like, okay, am I falling victim to this? I constantly need to shop because it makes me feel good. And I'm just picking things up because of that feeling that I get. Is it serving a purpose in my business? Or is it be or is it detrimental to my business? I think these are conversations that are very personal and are very difficult to have. But I come from a generation where millennials, where buying things was like buying things full price, going to an outlet and buying something. Yes, it was discounted, but it was still expensive. It was like, that was a thrill. That was like, yeah, I'm going here. I'm going to get this. Going to the coach outlet back in the early 2000s was like the coolest thing you could possibly do. And if you had that new bag that coach put out there and you paid that two, $300 for it, you were the it person. That's the culture that I grew up in. So it's very easy for someone to fall into that trap of, well, I'm buying all these things. Eventually it will sell. Eventually it might give me my money back, but you've got all these You've got all these items and they just don't serve you a purpose besides make you feel overwhelmed. Like I think they're, I I just think people need to have that internal conversation with themselves, but maybe shopping is a way for you to release whatever stressors you have in life. And I think that's okay. As long as you're within a parameter that you set for yourself and that 
you can do it in a way that isn't detrimental to your business. And that's hard. Like I would struggle keeping it within a parameter. I think you're people are can be one trauma away from having a small shopping addiction yeah. to be a big problem. Yeah. Just watch a season of Borders. It's on Netflix. <laughs> and I watched it recently. I was amazed because a lot of people were thrift um store shoppers. They were we could resell this. This is worth money. It was a lot of phrasing that we have in our community. And I was like, kind of shocked. And I, and I realized, you know, this is a really slippery slope you can be on. If, if you let your happiness be dictated by shop shopping, I, I feel bad if that's a situation that someone is in. And certainly have an internal conversation with yourself. But if you need help, you know, reach out, get resources. I, I, I watched that and I, I was like, wow, people are really just one trauma away from filling their house, their room, the, whatever it is. And it's, it's, it's scary. I, I, I think that your mental, your mental health is important. And this is part of your mental health. Well, I think it's it's also hard to when we live in a consumeristic society, and that's what's constantly being fed to us via whatever whatever we watch, wherever we go, you know, whatever we consume. And I do agree with you that it is a slip, slippery slope, and it a good deal or I could sell this really can take over and I I've seen it firsthand uh and to where the person has storage units and now they're like oh I was spending $200 a month to store my stuff that I don't use and now they're to the point they're like okay I don't want to spend the $200 a month for that, now it's in my living space and I can't get rid of it. It's, it's not selling. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And it, this is the side of reselling that none of us ever want to like talk about or anything because it could be any of us. Mm-hmm. It really could. It, especially when you're so immersed in the culture of reselling and finding that special piece. And I, I I have friends who resell and it's like, well, this is just so cool. I have to get it. But why? I'm always the person that's like, but why do you need it? I don't just put it back. You're not going to use it for anything. But to them, it's like, no, this is so unique. It needs to just come home with me. And um, I, in terms of reselling, I've never been that person, but I can 100% see how that can happen. Especially like you said, Nikki, a trauma, something happens. And this is your safe space. So you kind of just dive in and create this ripple effect. Um, I just, I, I always get, this is just who I am as a person. I always get really like nervous when I see people in the community that kind of fall into this pattern of like constantly getting things 
um, constantly purchasing things because it's a good deal or filling up spaces with things because what, you know, um, it's better to have, I, I hate this this mentality because it's not me, but I understand why people do it because the pandemic, it kind of forced people to like, it's better to have extra things. It's better to have a quote unquote death pile than it is not to have anything at all. And that may have been true during COVID. I just can't get behind that mentality. So I really struggle when I see people fall into that. I just think in the back of my head, like, but what's making them do that? What's causing them this is because I have a psychology brain and I can't help it and this is what I studied in my undergrad but like I always want to understand the why I want to understand what it is that's making that person want to do that and how can I help people to see that there's more than just this thing that you can't get yourself out of I should have been a therapist should have been a therapist I think overwhelm definitely has like, you know, something to do with it. I, we've all, you know, went a little too far, got too many. Oh, items yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we call them death piles or money piles. But like, uh, I mean, <laughs> just be careful out there, guys. <laughs> I know. I agree. We just need to be careful. This is a fun conversation. We should do this more often with Patreon members. I love this. Because I get to talk to you more than just once a month. <laughs> well, I mean, we talk all the time. So if you guys are in the Patreon group, there's a Discord and we all talk all the time. However, we only see each other face-to-face once a month or if it's a quarterly call, we'll see each other twice a month. Um, but this is fun. And I think more people, we have such a diverse group of people in our group. And I just think more people in the community need to hear these diverse opinions and um, just experience it because not everyone is active on social media. Not everyone has a YouTube channel and there, and some people aren't on any of the things at all. And um, there's some great minds out there. So thank you ladies for coming on and doing this with me. I hope it was enjoyable for you. It was. Thank you. Good. <laughs> uh so that concludes this episode i mean there were some low points but these are good talking points you guys should listen to it and really really think about it i'd be curious let us know like what you what you got from this episode of the things that you thought about or things that we talked about that you were like oh yeah mm-hmm. i totally understand what they're saying uh next week okay let's talk about next week next week i have um some people coming on that uh, we're going to dive into kind of the expenses and taxes and all that kind of stuff in the reselling space. Um, we're going to talk about how hard it can be, all of those fun things. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, that's it. I'm done. It's nine o'clock at night. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>